here we are. It is September 7th, 2018. Doing a raw cast, recording with my phone, parked along the side of the road, staring at the river. It's rainy and shitty out. Oh, this is Kyle. Sorry. Gonna be weird. Solo cast. Giving this a shot by myself. Funny, I'm so used to voice texting that I want to say like period at the end of my sentence or instead of giggling or laughing, I want to put LOL. How fucking weird is that? I find that a little strange that maybe I'm plugged in too much sometimes. I don't know. I just almost put LOL again. Probably because I'm looking at my phone or in the direction of my phone while it's recording. Yeah, anyway. So, I figured I would do a bonus cast and let's talk about some crazy shit. Let's talk about strippers, strip clubs. Let's talk about call girls and bar fights. So... Bear with me. The road is going to get a little rough. And remember, this is stuff that happened a long time ago. And I just want to make sure that everyone knows that I'm not the complete and crazy motherfucker that I used to be. So these stories do not represent me now. They have helped carve and define who I am, but uh, let's just be clear, I am a hippie who owns guns, and I love everybody, and I just want to give everybody a hug. So, now that we know that, let's start with uh, strip clubs. I have not been to a strip club in some time. In fact, I think the last time I went to a strip okay, I need to take that back. I did go to a strip club, um... I think it's been about three years now. My wife and I went to Vegas with some good friends of ours. And it was the first time that... Oh, wait, I take this back. This did not happen on that trip. (laughs) So this happened when we took our uh, 13-year-old daughter to Vegas with us. Uh, No, people, she did not go to the strip club. So this is how things went. I had uh, back surgery in 2012. I was hurt on the job in 2000. I've talked about this before and talked about the weight gain and the weight loss. And this was the first trip to Vegas with my wife and wanted to take our daughter on a vacation. And it was her first plane ride. It was a big deal. So I'm, I'm going to kind of spoil it with sentimental things, but I did bring up the last time I went to a strip club. So we'll talk about the fun shit on another podcast. Let's jump ahead to three days in. We have to catch a flight the next morning. I believe we had to leave the motel around seven or eight 
to get to the airport with the whole two-hour buffer thing. So let's just say that I think we left on a Sunday. So Saturday, I played poker in a poker tournament, a pretty big one. Played for hours, um, did all right, got some money out of it, and then I played in a cash game. And in the cash game, I thought it would be a good idea to start drinking. Now, I normally don't drink when I'm playing poker. I, I try to, you know, keep my faculties to me. I try to make the best decisions possible because I really want to fucking take all your money. <laughs> so I was drinking and I was having a good day. You know, I did good in the tournament and I was doing good playing cash game. And I realized that when you tip the gal that brings you cocktails every single time you bring a cocktail and these are free by the way while you're playing and they really like that and they'll come back sooner and I watched guys get four or five drinks brought to them before they'd even give out a buck I like to give out a buck sometimes more every time I get a cocktail because I'm used to paying for them I'm not used to getting drinks comped for me I don't go to casinos that much and I don't go to Vegas that much so to me Getting a free drink and spending a buck on it is 100% not a big deal, but people appreciate that dollar. Well, the waitress was coming back uh, way more frequently after my fifth cocktail of giving her, in my opinion, only a dollar each time. She was coming back more frequently. My drinks were getting stronger, and let's just say that a very long day that turned into a whole bunch of cocktails... I still did good at the poker table, and I got this wild hair up my ass. Now, this was three years ago, I think, so I'm 47 now. So let's just say I was in the 40, mid-40s range. And I thought to myself, I'm going to take my wife to a strip club in Vegas. Now, it is cloudy because of the amount of cocktails I had, but I do remember the basic principles of... I want to go have a good time the last night in Vegas. I want to get a little crazy. I want to get a little naughty. So I'm going to march up to the room and I'm going to wake up my wife and say, babe, put something really naughty on. I'm taking you to a strip club. And I do. And she's such a great gal. She gets dressed. We go. She's nervous. I'm fucking lit. She is 100% sober at this point. Very nervous. Because Kyle can get a little crazy when he drinks. That's why probably I don't drink that often. So, we get in the cab. I initially tell the cab driver, take me to Old Town or um, like Fremont. I can't remember exactly, but there's non-main type strip clubs. And then there's like the main big ones. And... Quite frankly, I've been to the big name clubs. I've been to the trashy clubs. And in my opinion, the trashy dive clubs are always way more fun. So in my intoxicated state, I let the cab driver kind of bamboozle us into taking us to the primo. And I mean primo as in like primo expensive also strip club. Now there's a line outside. I'm already irritated, but fuck it, it's late. You know, it's like 1 a.m. at this point. And I knew I only had a finite amount of time. So we go in, and I had not been to a strip club for a minute 
because I was shocked by the, um, for the two of us to get in, I think it was like $110 just to get in. And mind you, it is beyond elbow to elbow. Now I'm a big dude. I'm like six feet tall, 300 pounds. I don't look like the healthiest individual. Um, I do power lift when I'm not being a bitch right now. I'm being a little bit of a bitch about it, but I do that and I'm trying to get my ass to go to jujitsu on a regular basis. So I'm trying to do those things. I believe if you just looked at me, if you judged the book by its cover, you would think, holy shit, that's a big dude. I'm big, broad. I'm built like a fucking fire hydrant. And so we go in and, uh, it is bam. It's like I magnet central on me with the dudes. You know, the women in strip clubs, they don't give a shit. As long as you look like you might have a couple bucks. I, I, I believe they're, they're looking for the payout. You know, they're not, not saying anything negative about strippers. It's, it's a business. They're there to make money. And you know, if you're all scrubbed out, I don't think they're going to give you as much attention. Uh, or if you stick out like a beacon, then you're going to get more attention. And this was me being a beacon. And uh, the wife does not do well in crowded spots. I don't do well sober in crowded areas. But uh, I'm plowing through. I got my hand on her hand. You know, I'm dragging her through the club. We're looking at this. We're looking at that. Uh, a couple of strippers approach us. One gal uh, talks us into going in the back for some private dances. It was all cool. Um, but then things got sketchy. The stripper was trying to rip us off with buying her $50 drinks. And all of a sudden it was like, well, you've been back here for this long. And this is how many drinks I'm supposed to get per time. And so after what I considered a short period of time, she says, you need to give up some money. You need to give up like 200 bucks or give me a credit or something. And at this point, I don't do well when I feel like I'm getting bullied. I thought I was getting bullied. So I immediately go into defensive mode. I start saying, no, nope, not going to happen. We're getting out of here. The manager comes up, says, you're going to give us some money. I said, hey, there was nothing talked about in as far as exchange for money. She said, come back to this room and we'll talk about it. Well, we didn't talk about shit is what I'm telling this to. I'm like, hey, bro, we didn't talk. We didn't do much other than sit there and listen to really loud music and her do some dancing around us, but we never talked. There was no deal struck. There was nothing. And then he says, you're not leaving until you pay. I'm getting agitated at this point. Things are cloudy now because when I get really pissed off, I don't think I keep it all together. And so I'm starting to eyeball everybody I think might be a threat. And only the people that I think might work there. Uh, there's some big fuckers that work at the Rhino in Vegas, which is probably the biggest strip club in Vegas next to Deja Vu. So a couple of guys, I believe that are bouncers come and stand behind the manager dude, because they see that my look on my face is not happy. He doesn't look happy. They know something's up. So they come and stand behind him. It's kind of a tactic that is age old tactic from law enforcement is called a show of force without using force. So they're trying to intimidate me by numbers at this point to get me to fork out some money. And I'm, I'm standing my ground. I'm like, no, I'm not going to give you any fucking money because I feel like I'm getting ripped off here. I feel like I'm being pressured and bullied into shit. A couple of the guys came up. One guy, um, big fucking Samoan looking dude. 
I look at him, and right away, I know he's a Samoan guy. He's got the, the tats, all that shit. And I start talking to him like I know him. Um, I have a big portion of my past where I hung out with some Samoan guys and I know the culture a little bit. So I'm trying to kind of touch bases with him to let him know, dude, things are cool. I was hoping he would be cool. He was not cool. In fact, reached out, grabbed my wife's um, handbag out of her hand, tried to, and was going to like take it, I guess, and dig through there for a credit card because I think he felt like, too much bullshit's going on. Let's just get some action. Well, when he reached out to do that, I grabbed his wrist at the same time, preventing him from uh, pulling his hand back. Uh, he was bigger than me, but I was definitely by far the biggest patron in that whole joint. And when I grabbed him, it was not gentle. Uh, he jerked his hand away without my wife's purse. And I said, two things are going to happen. Either you're going to call the cops or we're leaving, or you're going to call the cops, or you're not going to call the cops, we're leaving. And uh, it was a bit of a standoff, and the guy, the, the manager looked around, looked at my wife and I, and said, get the fuck out of here. So basically, I got my wife and I kicked out of a strip club, almost got into an altercation, and uh, I was told that she will not be going to any strip clubs with me again. So, that's my first strip club story in reference to the last time I was a strip club three years ago or so. Now, my favorite strip club story has to do with a friend of mine who will remain nameless. And I, I, I wish I could remember if I had talked about this already on a podcast. I don't think I have, but it's possible. So a hundred years ago in my younger days and former wildness, I went to a strip club with my best friends and I don't know if I think there was four of us two of us had been to a strip club before and two of us had never been to a strip club before now I need to give you some backstory real fast I am uh, I, I grew up in a very small town definitely no strip clubs around here in fact the closest strip club to me geographically would be pretty close to two hours away. Just to give you an idea. I mean, it's not crazy for a 20s, early 20-something-year-old guy back in my day to have not been to a strip club. Um, a lot of you are probably like, holy shit, never been to a strip club. Yes, small town. So, back to my story. We go. We're in there. Um, I am blown away at how forward these strippers are. Um, I'm watching one of my friends <laughs> finger bang a stripper and why she just pulls her shit to the side and lets him <laughs> let's get blunt here. People, it's going to get very vulgar and it's going to get naughty. I'm watching him, my buddy suck on this girl's tits and finger bang her in a booth at a strip club. Now, as you can all assume, <laughs> That was the most popular stripper to us. We didn't care about anybody else in there. It wasn't even that busy. It was probably like four o'clock on a Saturday. And so I'm watching him and I go get uh, a couple um, lap dances from this lady. And I'm not really, uh, you know, she's like motioning or and even kind of tugging on my head a little bit like, hey, 
get on in there and suck on them titties. And I didn't because I watched my buddy do it. And then she kind of pulled her uh, thing aside and I may have done some diddling. I'm not going to confirm or deny anything at this point, but, uh, no, let's just be honest. I, of course I diddled, you know, I finger banged. Of course I did. All of us did. I was (laughs) at this point, I had not been drinking, so I was able to make semi-sane decisions and not putting my mouth on her tits to me only had to do with my friend also having his mouth on her tits. I didn't think about the possibility that 50 other guys could have had their mouths on her tits. So I'm going to give you a very important fact of this story. I was chewing spearmint gum. Now I had shared spearmint gum with all my friends. I did very briefly and only briefly suck on a titty. But when it popped into my head that my friend had also done it, I stopped. So it was only at the max, like a minute worth of sucking. Okay. I know that's a lot of sucking, but I don't think it was a minute, but I mean, of course I did a little bit, but it did pop in my head and I stopped. So my good buddy, uh, very innocent individual, um, never been to a strip club before at the time. Uh, didn't date a lot either up until that point. And I think we were probably 21, to be honest, right around there. And, uh, you know, at the time he may have even been a virgin. I'm not sure. I can't say exactly, but it's possible. So he's very eager to get these table dances and he was the last one out of the four of us. And then we left and he's so excited. He's so fucking happy. And he's talking his his ass off and he's sharing with us. He's like, holy shit, you guys. Now, before I finish the story, I have to say that not all four of us, actually, I need to correct this. Not all four of us um, got table dances from her. Three out of the four of us got table dances from her. The fourth one was busy with, like, multiple strippers, I think, at the time. Uh, he had the most money out of all of us. So it went friend one, me, then friend three. That was the order of the table dances. So we're leaving and he's all excited and he starts talking about how he couldn't believe he got to suck on her tits and he got, he couldn't believe that he got to like finger bang her. And then he says, dude, I can't believe her tits tasted like spearmint. Now at this point I start laughing and the gum falls out of my mouth. And I say, You mean like the flavor of my gum? (laughs) Both guys in the backseat start laughing hysterically. My friend is not laughing. He looks like he's going to start throwing up because he realizes that (laughs) all of that spearmint flavor that he was licking on and lapping up like a hungry kitten came from (laughs) myself and our other friend who was also chewing spearmint gum. Okay, <laughs> stripper stories. I got more, but this is kind of a impromptu bonus cast. Um, next story was call girls. Okay, my same friend who um, uh, enjoyed my spearmint gum and I went to Canada when we were 20 
or 21? I'm trying to think. You see, the drinking age uh, in Canada at the time, and I think it still is, was 19. So I'm pretty sure we were not 21 at the time. Close, though. So this goes back to my saying that I don't know if my friend was a virgin or not. He was not a virgin. I have to correct that because of the call girl story I'm about to tell. It took place before the strip club. <laughs> okay. We go to Canada. Um, we go to Vancouver, which is fucking amazing. And I don't know if it's still like this or not, but at the time we knew that prostitution was overlooked, not really, um, legal, but just not, it just wasn't really enforced that we knew of. And this was so sold to us because we were drinking a little bit and walking around downtown Vancouver. There was a couple of strips that we walked up and back and there was so many strip clubs. I mean, shit, we went into less than a mile strip up one and down the other side of this uh, block, we must've hit six strip clubs. I mean, that's, that's a fucking lot. And all, all the women in these strip clubs were absolutely drop dead gorgeous. And then it was about 10 o'clock at night. We come out of a strip club and we start noticing all these women standing around. I mean, they are like dressed to the nines, like high heels, skirts or dresses. I mean, full blown, like made up, like, out for the town. Not, like, a trashy-looking hooker. These were, like, holy shit. Every girl that we saw that was a hooker that night um, could have been, like, a centerfold in any erotic magazine that we'd ever seen. You know, we don't look at fashion magazines because we're dudes. But any hot chick we'd ever seen, and by the way, this is <laughs> this is a clip before the internet, that should give you an idea. Well, I told you how old I am. So uh, we start, well, I start talking because he's too fucking shy. And it came down to we're just cheap asses. And every um, woman that we talked to or group of women that we talked to, it was pretty much we're not going to talk to you unless you just confirm that you're going to give me a 100 bucks. You know, And then we'll talk and we'll go from there. And we're like, well, shit, I mean, we were willing to put forth a hundred bucks a piece, but, uh, not if it's just going to be, you know, like a hand job or something. We didn't know how the fucking rules were. We didn't know what it meant. We didn't know where you started. So we kind of backed out, but we talked to a whole bunch of, uh, hookers and, um, they were all very cool. I mean, shit, this was before cell phones were popular and shit, most of them had cell phones. I mean, we couldn't believe our fucking minds. It was like, what the fuck is going on here? So uh, we stayed the night. Uh, oh, let me back up a little bit. Where we stayed. I did some research with some magazines. Uh, I think I, I can't remember what magazine I had looked at, but it said something about the uh, World Stripper Contest. World's Best Stripper Contest held in Vancouver, such and such time. And it's held at this location, which is also a motel. So I'm like, holy shit. I go, dude, we're going to find this motel. And we're going to go. This is where the world stripper thing is. Uh, we get there. And we don't even think about where it's at. We don't even think about what it looks like. All we think about is there are going to be fucking strippers staying at this motel also. 
we check in, we get a room. We're not noticing that it's like something out of a movie, the lobby. And I don't mean like a classy uh, upscale motel in a movie. We're talking like the worst case scenario of a shitbag motel. We get to our room, we notice, we're like, okay, something's not right here, man. <laughs> the window won't close all the way to the fire escape that leads down to the alley that looks like most murder scenes in scary movies. The bed, one of the beds, there was like two single beds in this uh, room. One of the legs on one of the beds was broke and it just like wobbled. And I picked that bed, of course, and I was like being uh, my funny pouty self and flopping on the bed and like, fuck, this sucks. And uh, while I'm sitting there, my buddy walks over, picks up the end of the bed with one hand, pulls a drawer out of the dresser with the other hand and shoves the drawer under that corner and voila, the bed's fixed. So there you go. You can fix a shit bag bed in a shit bag motel with a drawer out of the dresser. So that's where we stayed that first night. Uh, we heard gunshots uh, in the alley. We were afraid to look out the window of, we heard people fighting and running up and down the halls. We were too afraid to look out the door. We left the next morning ASAP. We traveled to, um, I wish I could remember the name of the place. It was so like, uh, almost like a retirement type laid back community. It was along a shore. I swear it had the name rock in the title of where we stayed. Uh, so we found a place we stayed. Um, <laughs> I, I can't remember the accent of the people that owned it. I want to say maybe Russian or, Something like that. It was hard to understand them. And she said at 9 p.m. they lock the fucking um, lobby door. And so if we're outside after 9 p.m., we can't get back into our room. There was one door through the lobby to get to any of the rooms. And uh, we didn't. We should have been like, fuck it, we're out of here. But we were like, oh, no, it's cool, we'll stay. It's all good. We don't have any reason to leave the room. Get up there, and uh, I open the phone book, of course, and I start immediately going right to the call girl escort section. There must have been, fuck, 30 pages to go through. I start calling places, and it sounds so sketchy. I've got Asian accents. I've got what sounds like Russian accents, Albanian accents. I mean, Middle Eastern accents of people I'm talking to. It was all across the board. Come across this one place that had an English-speaking, um, not English-speaking, but like a non-accent um, lady on the other phone that seemed very cool and willing to wheel and deal because we're just small-town podunk boys that don't have a lot of money at the time. I mean, I'm, I'm a solid hundred air now. Um, he might be a thousand air. Not sure. So uh, I call this outfit and... <laughs> We wheel and deal over the phone. It comes down to, all right, fine. One lady is going to come to the motel and we're going to share. Not at the same time. Like, you got to realize, people, this is this is a fucking escort. It's a call girl. I mean, this is not unheard of that one person will take a turn while the other person stands by and will take a turn afterwards. So, we did. Now, this is, I mean, I'm not going to do this shit now necessarily, but back then, who gave a shit? We're just looking to get laid. We're both like 20 years old. 
Um, so we're nervous as shit. I'd never done this before. He never did this before, obviously. So time's ticking. I make the arrangements. I mean, we have the cash and, uh, we look out the window and, and she pulled up in what she said she was going to pull up in because she actually called us too. Um, my buddy went down to let her in the uh, door by the lobby, which we had to be extra, extra quiet because we don't wake up the people that own the place because they said to be quiet. So I think it was like 1030 when uh, she got there. And uh, I told him since I made all the arrangements that he was going to go down and let her in and greet her. I think he was about to throw up. I mean, he looked pale and clammy and sweaty. Well, he goes, well, I'm getting nervous as a motherfucker too, waiting now. So I'm like, fuck what it I'm out of. I'm out of like this little veranda thing. Uh, I'm trying to think, okay, when they come in, I'll just kind of like step in like, hi, I'm so-and-so. <laughs> he opens the door. I do this weird step into the room from the little balcony thing. He looks at me like, what the fuck are you doing? She even looks at me like, okay. <laughs> so now I'm feeling, fuck, fuck that entrance up. So I tell my buddy, uh, dude, you go first. And he's like, what? Got all nervous. I'm like, dude, no, really, you go first. I mean, we gave her the money in exchange. She was cool as shit. Made us feel comfortable. I literally, uh, I think I went down. I, I left the room. I didn't wait on the balcony because it would have been weird. I left the room and just walked down to the lobby where there were some chairs and, uh, waited and then he came down uh when he was done and got me and then he waited down there and I went back up to the room so I think I barely made it to the lobby and was sitting down for a minute and he was done (laughs) so I go up to the room and I'm getting really nervous now I mean I'm thinking normally I can handle any situation I'm Mr. Cool and uh, I got real nervous because this was not a normal sexual interaction. This was a this was a money deal. This was like, um, you know, she might not be digging it. She might not be into it. And I just really didn't like that. I felt that fucks with me still today. If I think um, a woman is not into me or into the moment, um, I would rather go without. That's just me. So I'm getting a little anxiety at this point, but she's cool. She's making jokes and, uh, she was really hot. And I remember, um, I like ran my hand, uh, along her side, like down her rib cage. She had a cool tattoo. And I just remember thinking how fucking soft, like her skin was like, uh, of course, you know, she smelled great, like a stripper. And, uh, uh, it was all very, you know, erotic. You know, she had this really, she was tan, all the way over tan, her whole body was tan, um, really pretty, like, uh, panties and bra, I can't even, I couldn't tell you what color, maybe white, uh, I'm gonna go with white, because I remember thinking that the contrast was awesome, her tan skin and the white bra and panties, um, she was blonde, of course, fake blonde, um, I'm trying to think, she was probably about five, five, uh, maybe 140, um, thin for me, actually, I, I, I like thick girls. I like curvy, thick, I like titties and ass people. Just put it out there. Anyway, 
I'm getting long-winded on this uh, story because I think I got a little nervous telling it. So I'm just going to say, we're in the bed. I decided to uh, use the same bed that my friend used, which was his bed. (laughs) That comes into play later. We're going and uh, no kissing, of course. But uh, I, I was allowed to touch. I was allowed to kiss her body. Um, I could uh, lick and kiss and suck on her tits if I wanted to. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed, you know, taking her uh, bra and panties off. And so we're laying there and she's, you know, hand jobbing me. And I'm ready to go. And she's hand jobbing me. And I'm ready to go. Now... I don't know that you're supposed to say something. I don't know that you're supposed to be like, uh, okay, let's go. And so I'm thinking, dude, I don't want to fucking blow my nut from a hand job that I just paid this much money for. So she says, are you ready? And I was like emphatically, yes, yes, I'm ready. (laughs) So she, uh, smooth as fuck, like a condom out of nowhere, tears it open with her mouth, gets it on me with one hand. I mean, like she was better at using a condom than I am and was, it was great how smooth everything was. And she goes, uh, how do you want to do it? And I'm like, I, what do you mean? (laughs) She goes, how do you want me? Do you want me on my back? Do you want me from behind? Do you want me to, do you want me to get on top and ride you? And the way she said it, I'm like, yep. Option three. Let's go with the ride. She gets on top and she was fucking so cool. She like looked right at you and made very yummy noises. Like it was great for her and moved her hips and shit. Probably, I mean, look, because it was the experience, I I look back on everything being so fucking great. Um, I think in my mind it was like 20, 30 minutes, but it probably fucking five, honestly, from start to finish. But it was just, it was a cool experience. And I remember still to this day how vividly I can picture and recall how fucking cool she was. And it was like she was so relieved of how cool and innocent we ended up being. Because I'm sure being a call girl or an escort or hooker or whatever you want to label it as, they know better than anybody that monsters don't look like monsters. I mean, you just can't tell me that not at some point, not every woman who has either dabbled in or tried or has been currently um, one of those three labels that they have not had a terrible experience in some way. Uh, So... I think about that shit initially, not even just now, but I thought about it then too. And that that was part of my apprehension and part of my worry that, uh, you know, she's taking one for the team in a sense. And I don't like that phrase because it just makes me feel bad to think that someone would want to, that someone not would want to, because they don't want to, that someone would do something they don't want to do, especially do something with me. I'm just very... Anyway, I need to get back on my story. Sorry, people. Hope I didn't lose anybody, my whole three fucking listeners. It was great. She fucked the shit out of me. Um, I, on purpose, left the condom on the bed because uh, that's the kind of friend I am. It's all about being funny and bro time. 
she was cool though. She took the condom off. She uh, tied it in a knot. <laughs> And uh, she tossed it into the can next to the bed, which I, of course, removed and put on the bed. But uh, she even, like, uh, said, don't move. Went in the bathroom, came back with, like, a warm washcloth, like, wiped me all up. It was like, what the fuck? I felt like, you know, we didn't have any more money at the moment to give her. Like, we had to get to an ATM. And I felt bad that we couldn't have tipped her, you know, because we made an arrangement. And uh, it was way more than my friend or I expected. That was my last uh, experience with a woman uh, who charges money for sex. Simply. That was my first and last experience. So, man, been going for 36 minutes. It's supposed to be a bonus cast. I think bar fights don't necessarily need to be added other than I will say that the um a really cute story about my wife and I the first night that we ever really met um I had talked to her and seen her a few times but never really uh sat with her and talked with her or danced with her and it was a local bar that was uh, the local meat market at the time (laughs) And I, you know, my friends and I would go there <laughs> Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Thursday was ladies' night. We went always on that mission, you know. And uh, let's see, I was very recently out of a relationship that I'd been in for just shy of two years. I was engaged to a gal. Um, I ended up calling off everything just like a month. I don't even know if it was two months total. Uh, before everything was going to go down. I I can't remember, I can't remember exactly, but it was a very short period of time. Nobody was happy. Um, It was the hardest thing I ever had to do, to be honest. And uh, I just knew that this was not the right person for me. I knew that if I'm not happy now, I'm definitely not going to be happy later. I just felt like the more time that went by, the unhappier I got. And it was nothing... It's not like a personal issue. It's just some people you're not meant to be with. Some people that initially you think you mesh. And then you just find out that you don't. You know, it's not like anyone did anything wrong. It wasn't uh, anything other than just not the right chemistry. You know, it's weird because most relationships and I, I feel, you know, because somebody either... Somebody thinks the other person did something wrong or, you know, somebody really did do something wrong. And this was not a case of that. It was not a case of anyone that did anything wrong. Wow, I got way long-winded on that. Jesus Christ, Kyle. Back to current. Let's jump ahead. I was recently out of a two-year-long relationship where I was engaged to a woman. Okay, a couple weeks only had gone by and I was out and about in the bars, and uh, my friends and I went to this bar. It was April 15th, Saturday. I will just say it was 1995. Uh, my wife now, at the time, before even knowing much about her, all I knew was that she worked at my bank, and I'd seen her periodically around small town and all. 
my friends and I go there to the bar. We're sitting there. All of a sudden, her friends and her show up. Normally, I didn't see her at the bar. Uh, just not, you know, I don't think she was a big bar goer. And so, see her, I'm excited, I'm happy. It's like, holy shit, I'm going to get a chance to maybe hang out with this girl that I've honestly thought was really pretty, you know, awesome, always happy to see me, really friendly all the time. I was getting a chance to see her. And we did. We hung out, we danced, first kiss that night. One of those movie kisses where the music stops or the next song is playing and you're still out there from the previous song making out with, you know, with, with your hot lady. It was cool. Well, then I have a couple of friends that they're a little ruckusy. They like to cause trouble because it's not me. I was never the troublemaker. I always looked elsewhere. Now, I had two things that I could have talked about. I'm doing a broad spectrum of bar fights, but there's a very funny story that I will share sometime soon that uh, my wife likes to label it as um, the punch heard around the world. And that's because it was a swing and a miss. And uh, you would have heard the air whistle as I swung for the death blow. <laughs> so uh, my friends who are ruckusy in this bar, there's also a very large crowd of Latino people. And at the time, in our small town, the uh, Latino crowd uh, was not as cool as everyone is today. It was very segregated in a sense of... Uh, just, you know, it was just stupid. It was stupid racial bullshit that uh, small town, small minded young people had. Anyway, uh, a big fight breaks out between this crowd and uh, my extremely Caucasian crowd of friends, except for the one Spaniard. And he will not be named, but if he ever listens to this, that motherfucker will know who I'm talking about. He'll know for sure I'm talking about him. Because you cannot ever reference to him as being Mexican. Even though he looks 100% Mexican. He is Spanish. He's a Spaniard. He will tell you Spaniard. Anyway, <laughs> he starts this bullshit fight. And it's a huge, like, tables are broken. Chairs are thrown. We break a divider down. Glasses are being thrown. Um the bar clears. I mean, it is probably still to this day, one of the biggest bar fights I've seen. It was like a movie. It was a hundred percent. Everybody was involved. It seemed like, and, uh, we kind of spill outside where I'm thinking I'm over this. Like, I don't want to keep doing this shit. I'm ready to go. I don't like fighting. I'm not a big, uh, I don't like violence. I don't, I'm not bad at it, but I don't like it. And so I say to her, I go, Hey, uh, could you give me a ride home? Now, where I lived was the exact opposite in the direction that she lived. And uh, she told me she lives in, in this, almost said it, in the, the, the area. And I said, well, I'm in this area, the other side. Can, can you take me over there? And she's like, sure, no problem. So we get in the car and we're traveling. And I go, hey, uh, I live in the other direction. And now this is her words. Exactly. I quote, I have to change my clothes. Now, at this point. I get a huge smile on my face and I'm thinking, score, I'm going to get laid. <laughs> we go to her house, uh, her apartment, and um, she really did change her clothes. And uh, we made out pretty heavy. I got to see, as I describe, the tits. 
<laughs> which we could talk about in another episode. And uh, I was expecting to continue said saga, but no, got shut down, denied. Didn't even get Mr. Winky touched that night, in fact. Uh, not that it's a requirement, but I mean, as a youngster, I'm thinking I'm gonna. I don't want you guys to think that I'm some fucking. I don't even know. Playa. <laughs> so, one person will know what that means. So, uh, we're in the mix. Sorry. We're in the mix of everything. Um, I'm, I'm getting blue balls by the second. And then it's time to go. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We watched a movie. She stuck in a movie that I, I knew I was going to marry her when she had this movie of her own. And she takes the VHS, sticks it in the, in the VCR, and presses play, and the movie Tombstone comes on. Now, still to this day, I will use the phrase, I'm your Huckleberry, or you ain't no Daisy. You ain't no Daisy at all. Because I love that fucking movie so much. At the time, I loved that movie. So we watched the movie, and I was cool. And she took me home. We, uh, I don't think I got to see, no, I did see her every day. I drove over to see her every day. And it was like a week later before she finally gave it up to me. So uh, she'll appreciate that story. That uh, she was a good girl uh, once. <laughs> Anyway, I think I'm going to call it. It's uh, 45 minutes and 36 seconds. This was my raw cast recorded with the phone. I don't even know how it's going to sound. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to just go home, attempt to pull this off my phone, and I'm going to upload it immediately. And it's probably going to be called uh, the raw cast. And I'll say something, you know, that this was about strippers, call girls, and bar fights. So everybody have a great night. I love you all. This is Kyle. I'm signing out. I'll talk to you next time.